Greetings, fellow listeners, and may we all be good listeners, especially when it comes to hearing the Word of God. Swift to hear, slow to speak, take counsel from the one whose name is Counselor, and a wonderful Counselor he is. Today is June 18th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, where we are all on the same bus, making our way through the entirety of the Bible, all 66 books. Each day, we put on new miles and hopefully some new smiles as we see God's redemptive purposes unfold and His redemptive truths exposed. Today, in the Old Testament, we will read of God's ministry to His servant Elijah. Remember, Elijah's name is The Lord is God. Elijah is spiritually exhausted and vulnerable to discouragement, depression, and he's feeling fit to quit. But God meets him where he's at, and he knows exactly how to replenish Elijah's spiritual, physical, and emotional strength. He is the wonderful counselor that we have come to know through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, and who now lives among us and in the hearts of those who have transferred their trust to him as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God, three persons, a composite community of oneness with one mind, one life, and one purpose. In the New Testament, we will read of the spiritual resilience of the early church in the book of Acts. The Apostle Peter is once again imprisoned. Spoiler alert, the Apostle James, the brother of John, is martyred by the Romans. Satan does all that he can to curtail the spread of the gospel by inspiring the Roman governmental authorities to persecute the followers of Christ. But it is as Jesus predicted when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Matthew 16, verse 18. We will start by traveling back in time to the 9th century BC, that is the 9th century before Christ, and pick up the historical narrative in the book of 1 Kings. Elijah has just received powerful witness to the one true God on Mount Carmel and exposed the impotence of the demonic worship of Baal, and he put to death the false prophets of Baal. However, the woman responsible for bringing the nation of Israel into this false system of worship, Jezebel, the Sidonian wife of Israel's king Ahab, has issued a death warrant against Elijah, and Elijah, in an already physically taxed state, runs for his life into the wilderness. 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we begin our reading today. So let's go there. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Elijah flees Jezebel. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough, now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights 
to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The Call of Elisha So he departed from there, and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him, and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed to them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. And this is the end of our reading from today's passage from the Old Testament from the book of First Kings. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we've just read. Today's reading from the Old Testament reminds us that Elijah was human and, like the rest of us, at times given to fatigue, discouragement, and fear. Elijah exerted a great amount of physical energy when he supervised the showdown with God and the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 32 and 33. In this episode, we learn that he also climbed to the summit of Mount Carmel at least two times, in chapter 18, verse 20 and verse 42. The physical feats, as well as the expenditure of spiritual and emotional energy, must have left him exhausted. 
when Jezebel hears that her 850 state-sponsored false prophets have been killed by Elijah's command and her belief system ridiculed, she is furious. Rather than repenting and turning to the Lord who is God, she goes on a tirade. These prophets were on her payroll and ate at her table in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. They played an important part in her maintaining control. Now they were gone. Jezebel vows to kill Elijah within 24 hours. So Elijah outruns the king's chariots all the way to Beersheba, approximately 100 miles south, and then goes a further day's journey into the wilderness. Elijah sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. Aren't you glad that the Lord does not answer every prayer we pray? Elijah was despondent, exhausted, and suicidal. He was experiencing a classic case of burnout. Satan often takes advantage of even God's more astute servants after there has been a great expenditure of spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical energy. Have you ever been so depressed that you had a secret death wish? This passage is instructive for all servants of God. The Lord saw that Elijah got what he needed and it brought him out of a state of depression. First, in verse 5 of chapter 19, sleep. He got physical rest. Secondly, in verse 6, food. In this case, it was angel food cake baked over hot coals. Thirdly, in the second part of verse 6, water. Elijah was probably severely dehydrated. This also affected his mood. Replenishment does not happen in a single moment. Elijah ate, drank, and lay down again. In verse 6. Fourthly, he needed perspective and a fresh understanding of the importance of obedience to God's revelation in verses 7 and 8. The Lord had more work for Elijah. He went back to what he knew to be most important, God's self-revelation. He journeyed to Mount Horeb, that is Mount Sinai, where God had revealed himself and made a covenant with Moses and the children of Israel. Spiritual restoration demands that we be reminded of God's story and the doctrine he has already given, the faith once delivered to the saints. Fifthly, trust in God's grace, your God-given meal. The Lord is the strength of your life. We dare not proceed in our own strength. Elijah would have a 40-day journey to Sinai, traveling approximately 420 road miles from Beersheba, averaging 10 miles a day. Most likely because of the intense heat, he would travel both during the cooler parts of the day and part of the night, avoiding the hot noonday sun. Then he would climb the 7,000-foot jagged peak of Mount Horeb. He did this all with the strength of what the heavenly messenger gave him to feed on, the bread he was given in the wilderness. Jesus said, He is the bread of life. In John 6, verse 35. Sixthly, the Lord calls for self-examination, fresh perspective on God's purpose. You will notice that the word of the Lord questions Elijah twice, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, and also in verses 13 and 14. What are you doing here, Elijah? That is, the Lord is God. What has the Lord said and is now saying? What has the Lord done and is now doing? What have you been doing? What are you doing now? The Lord announces that he is about to pass by. This prefigures the upcoming event in God's history of redemption, the incarnation of Christ, when the Word will become flesh to be bruised for our iniquities. There's a series of manifestations that take place. Wind, 
earthquake, and fire. However, the Lord was not in any of these outward manifestations. Elijah comes to realize God's presence and purpose do not reside in the outward manifestations, the winds of enthusiasms, the ground-shaking happenings, or the dramatic experiences of holy fire. Instead, the Lord's presence is found in the still, small, or as Strong's Concordance highlights, crushed voice, the gentle whisper. It is the voice of crucified silence. It is prophetically pointing to the word of the cross, the message of the finished work of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We need the perspective that only the Word of God can give. Elijah lived before the historic events of the cross of Christ, but the Word of God still ministered the realities that God's purposes were not centered on him, but on Christ crucified, crushed, and risen. Elijah's depression was exacerbated by the faulty perspective that God's purposes were centered on what he was doing. Twice he expresses his overestimation of his importance. He had the misconception that he was the one man in Israel doing God's will, saying with self-pity, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too, in chapter 19, verse 10 and 14. Finally, the Lord recommissions Elijah. Our despondency is often healed as we recognize that God has a work for us to do. He has given us tasks to accomplish. Elijah was instructed to anoint three individuals. He was to anoint Hazael, the king of Aram, that is Syria, Israel's enemy. Hazael was anointed to be God's instrument to bring judgment on Israel for their unfaithfulness. Elijah was also to anoint Jehu to be king of Israel as another means of bringing judgment upon the people. Then he was to anoint Elisha to be his successor as prophet. Each one of these anointed ones would be instruments in God's hands to deal with the unrepentant. Elijah's calling and commissioning of Elisha foreshadows Christ calling his followers to discipleship in Luke chapter 9 verses 57 through 62. When called by God to follow Elijah, Elisha goes home to conclude his past life. He burns his twelve yokes of oxen and gives the meat to the hungry. After burning these bridges to his past life, He then sets out to follow Elijah and becomes his attendant. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 12, and we're going to begin with verse 1 and read through to verse 23. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. 
When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. And this is the end of our reading from today's portion of the New Testament in the book of Acts. Let's take a few moments to recap, and we will do our best to highlight important elements. The persecution in Jerusalem intensifies. King Herod has James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, put to death with a sword. We learn that Herod was politically motivated, and seeing that it pleased the general populace to persecute the Christians, he sought to have Peter killed also. He arrested Peter when all the Jews were gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Peter was put in jail to be brought to trial after the Passover. But the church was earnestly praying for Peter. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. An angel appears in Peter's cell with a great light. The angel commands Peter to wake up, get up, and put on his outer garments and follow him out of the prison. His chains just fell off. Peter miraculously passes the guards and the iron prison gates open before him. This is the second supernatural jailbreak recorded in the book of Acts. Remember the first was in Acts chapter 5 verses 18 through 20. Peter appears at the house of Mary, the mother of Mark, where the church is having a prayer meeting. A servant girl named Rhoda answers the door, and when she realizes it is Peter, she leaves him standing outside as she excitedly runs inside to tell the prayer meeting that Peter is at the door. The prayer meeting disbelieves her, calling her crazy. Eventually, the gathered Christians let Peter in, and he reports all that the Lord has done. He instructs them to tell James and the brothers about this. Apparently, Peter recognized James as the leader of the Jerusalem church. Chapter 12, verse 17. This miraculous deliverance brought some hefty repercussions. 
Herod ordered that the prison guards on duty at the time of Peter's escape be executed. Herod travels from Jerusalem and Judea to Caesarea. There he gives a speech and is struck dead because Herod did not give praise to God. Chapter 12, verse 23. Next on our tour, we go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms. We'll be reading Psalm 136, verses 1 through 26 today. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the heavens above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. As we read through this psalm, you might ask, why is the phrase repeated throughout the psalm, his love endures forever? It most likely was to be read responsively, with the people responding antiphonally to the list of the wonderful things that God has done. The word for love here is sometimes translated loving-kindness or mercy. It is the Hebrew word chesed, referring to God's covenant love. God is faithful to honor what He has committed Himself to, the perfect work of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This gives us assurance of His steadfast love, His mercy, and loving-kindness. God is praised for who He is in Psalm 136, verses 1-3, through 3, and what He does in verse 4. He is praised for His works of creation in verses 5-9, through 9, His works of redemption in verses 10-22, through 22, and His merciful provisions in verses 23-26. through 26. And before our tour ends, we need to go to the treasure chest of wisdom at the book of Proverbs and draw from it. Proverbs chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. The beginning of strife 
is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Do you know what it is to have the Holy Spirit bridle your tongue? Can you let unnecessary provocations slide and deal with differences in a civil manner? God does not tolerate injustice. It is unjust to condemn the righteous. It is also unjust to justify the wicked. God's nature is so pure that he cannot justify what is not justifiable. This clarifies that it was God's initiative to do what no man could do, to become our substitute and take our condemnation, that we might be justified as righteous. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You restore my soul. Thank you for your provisions to anoint, bless, strengthen, and replenish me by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have provided a perfect rest, bread from heaven, the water of life. I continue to feast on you as my supply, my source of life. You remember my frame, that my body is of the dust, and I need to be replenished, recharged, and renewed day by day. You are the source and the strength of my life. Thank you for reminding me that I am here on earth for a purpose and that my times are in your hands. Give me fresh perspective and a fresh commissioning for your glory and for the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen. And I trust that's your prayer also. Well, it was good to take this journey together and we look forward to continuing tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church, New Life Fine Arts, and the ministries of New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.org. You can also subscribe there to a written copy of our commentary on the One Year Bible and receive it as an email each day. So until next time, Shalom. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.